Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that, my friends, is what we will call wow. a Chelsea moment. <laughs> wow. Jesus, can you not act oh, surprised anytime I answer like that? <laughs> Hi, buddy. Welcome to a special edition of The Human Element. This is our getting toward the mid-year, semi-almost July 4th. Should be summer, but we're not doing any of the summer things. Try to be a little lighthearted against the backdrop of deep seriousness and no lightheartedness pod. So you like that? Yeah, that's good SEO right there. Thank you. Thank you. Those of you who are frequent listeners are familiar with the guests we have today. Uh, They are the intrepid and inspiring Chelsea. I was going to say your maiden name. I responded either way. (laughs) And of course, our friend and magician, audio master extraordinaire, Jason. Oh. So we debated a little bit about what to do here. I think our, our main motivation was we really wanted to give people before... They went away for a little bit of a long weekend, a little bit of summer popcorn for the movies that they're not allowed to go see. Mm-hmm. That's sort of what I had in mind. Sounds good. I never thought I would say this, but I miss CES. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Jason, talk to me a little bit about a life in the hinterlands. When was the last time you were actually in the city limits? I was in Brooklyn a week ago. That was my second time. And it was a bit of a bummer this time. The first time there was, we were just about to enter stage one in New York City. It was sort of exciting to see a bit of optimism or a bit of something and foot traffic pick up and other things. And then we waited about two or three weeks, went back in again, and the stamina has just completely been depleted. Yeah. The city is exhausted. (laughs) It does not feel like itself. It's a bummer in that way. But life up the Hudson Valley is is nice. I realize now that I think a good 20% of all of our vocation, pretty much everybody is just warehouse work. I am just sending microphones in and out of this house constantly. <laughs> That's mostly what I'm doing. <laughs> and I have mine. Thank you. This is very exciting. Yes. You, uh, I've, gotten just, some, I've gotten some heat for this microphone though. Oh, good-natured uh, ribbing? Good-natured, yeah. I, it's got, um, I think, a certain Celine Dion... <laughs> Uh, Elton John <laughs> effect. Yeah. It does, it does have ribbing to it. Speaking of good-natured ribbing, which is... Yes, it does. Particularly it does. identifiable. Have you started your own school of painting up the Hudson yet? Yeah. I think you just look at the water is what I've noticed from the Hudson School so far. A lot of painting of the water. Yes, yeah. that's for it's sure. A good vibe. It's, that's for sure. You've enjoyed the house, though, because it's a relatively recent purchase, right? Yeah. We closed around... Thanksgiving. The timing could not have been more fortuitous. And now the whole Hudson Valley is just exploding as far as uh, housing demand. There's like nothing going on the market and everything's being snapped up immediately. Yeah. You know, this is an interesting thing again, and this has no relationship to any of the topics I proposed in the framing, but one of my little hobbies is I like to sort of stay abreast of what's for sale in town and just see how prices are, especially when something like this happens. Sure. And I, I was like, oh, well, prices are going to come down and, you know, the world's a mess and no demand at all. And A, there's no inventory, none. none. 
none. Yeah. And B, the stuff that is there, I think is, you know, plus five, six, seven, eight percent, maybe mm-hmm. more. Yep. And I'm like, holy cow, we should sell this house this minute. <laughs> yeah. There's stuff that's been on the market for two years since we first started looking that was overpriced then. They raised the price and it went now. Yeah. It's yeah. totally wild. Yeah, it is it is interesting. Obviously, there's a city exodus factor probably there's mm-hmm. you know people who have i know this has not been i don't know if you've heard but this has not been exactly a shot in the arm for many relationships mm. I don't, know if you've, don't know if you've heard anything about that but uh, no that does not reflect in my life the house <laughs> as it turns out yeah <laughs> yeah as it turns out Staying in the same place with the same people for 120 days or whatever it is now <laughs> is hard. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's let's do this. Is there something about your normal summer rhythm that you're super bummed that you're not getting to do? So I'm sad I can't drink at a bar on a beach, but the optimist in me is saying, well, I'm not in shape any longer. So therefore, I can continue to eat the same level of popcorn that I've been eating all winter now and not care. So I don't know. How's that for uplifting? Okay. So your trade-off here is don't get to hang out in a beach bar and drink but don't feel standard pressures around, you know, summer swimsuits. Yeah, I don't even season. feel bad for breaking a pair of pants when I try to put them on one time. Now, nah. like I feel no, no shame or remorse. <laughs> you can post, you can publish this too. Yeah. Okay. That shame only lives with you now. There's nobody to share no, that shame. No, so it doesn't exist. No, no, it does. It doesn't. She just shared the no shame with, you know, our audience. Uh, Jason, anything from you? Uh, yeah, the thing that I think I miss most about summer routines is usually when I see family. And yeah. so, you know, my sister's family lives up in Maine where I'm not even sure we're allowed to go right now. Well, I had heard that you actually have to have a test within three or five days or something of, of entering Maine. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. They're, they're really stringent up there, which wow. good on them. So it would be very difficult to see her. I, you know, had a wedding planned for the beginning of September. How's that going? Uh, it's going. We are <laughs> postponing the main event and doing a small version for family on the day we already have. So we're going to go through with it and we'll find a nice intimate way to do that. But there are things like, you know, a bachelor party, the annual occasion on which I see this group of people is usually someone's bachelor party or whatever it is or isn't. And so missing out on that. So that's mostly it. There are people who you see in the summer. It's a lot more difficult to see them this year. And then you miss out on some life milestones and one wonders when you'll see them again or for what importance. Are you going anywhere? I don't think so, really. Wedding will be up here. Bachelor party, one imagines if it happens, will be up here. I'm staying in the valley pretty much foreseeable future. Charles, are you going anywhere? Any quote-unquote yeah, vacation? Yeah, I'm going to Long Island at an Airbnb with 12 people for Stefan's really? birthday. Yes. And when is that? July 24th. Are you concerned? A thousand percent. But uh, (laughs) there's nothing else I can do about that. I mean, I'll quarantine for 14 days after that and then be able to see my family again. But I mean, that's all we can do. Everything just seems like a lot of effort. So like, I'm just exhausted thinking about all the work it takes to like get to that point. 
Yeah, there's a lot of effort. There's no doubt about it. Like everything feels like I'm actually getting so used to staying inside that I feel like I get anxious even thinking about like what an office looks like again. It's like I have to interact with all of those people at the same time. Right. So you're really on your way oh, to yeah. pure yeah. agoraphobia at this yeah. point. I'll be yeah. uh, I'll be using our health benefits <laughs> January 2021. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, it definitely creeps in. We went to an outdoor restaurant to support a friend over here in Hudson yesterday. And being in a space with a dozen strangers, like really ramped up the adrenaline. And I was not prepared for that. We were, you know, outside picnic tables, 20 feet apart. And I was still like, like mm-hmm. strangers. Yeah. yeah, it was weird. It was really weird. Of all of us here, I'm the one who has left the house the least in the past hundred and some odd days. So you know, we're about to go, quote unquote, on vacation down the shore, as we have done, you know, in my case, every year for 40 some odd years. And I I don't know, I, you know, we're not going to any restaurants, obviously, because they're only open outside. And we'll probably just do pickup, I guess. And I get conflicting information on whether we have to wear a mask on the beach or not. I've kind of heard both things. So I guess we'll figure that out when we get there. So mostly it's a change of scenery. We'll be in a different house and we'll be in a place that means an enormous amount to me sort of from a sentimental perspective. But vacation seems like a strange word to put on what we're about to go do. Mm. And I definitely have anxiety about, you know, going to the liquor store. Like that's not happening. I'm bringing my (laughs) own wine. (laughs) You know, I don't know. It just, it's very strange, very strange. And with the rest of the country sort of moving in the wrong direction now as it relates to cases, I don't know. All right, well, that was uplifting. Good, very funny. Wow. I'm sure the audience enjoyed that. (laughs) Let's get into just a little bit of lightheartedness. You know, obviously, July 4th, I don't know that it was ever really the biggest holiday of the year in my personal world, but it was, you know, kind of marked summer and the usual things associated with it, but it it sure does feel like this year for many, many reasons. It doesn't feel like a thing. To me, it feels very, at best, ancillary. Mm. How do you guys feel about it? Like we've already mentioned, the things that it signifies that it celebrates, at least to me, are sort of mired in uncertainties. To me, it symbolizes summer and gathering with friends and family. All three of those things are kind of (laughs) Not on the menu. And then the sort of nominal celebration of patriotism has a quite a tepid pall over it for a number of reasons anyway. So I don't know. Long weekend's nice. The weird thing is, despite all these things, which I think most people I speak to probably have the same kind of relationship to the weekend right now. Everyone seems really desperate for this long weekend. People are genuinely looking forward to this and thinking about like, oh, a holiday weekend, at least in my experience. No one's identifying it particularly as like the fourth, but they're all like, oh, hooray, this weekend I'll take some time, which is bizarre because, you know, this will look remarkably similar to every other weekend of the last four months. But for some reason, this is the one people seem to be waiting for. Yeah, I think that's an interesting observation. uh, Hopefully we're not all disappointed. Charles, what about you? Where where are you on the fourth? (laughs) I'm going to be sitting. (laughs) It's sad that we can't do anything. Do you have a few... Indoor Roman candles you're going to set off? (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I'm in the same boat. Yeah, it's nice to have a four-day weekend. 
But at the same time, it's like, what is there to do? So it'll just be a weird time. And also, I think from like a holiday perspective, I'm just confused, I think, as the whole nation is about, you know, are we supposed to be celebrating or are we just considering this a long weekend now? And, you know, I think from a social perspective, I don't know if I'm supposed to be posting anything of happiness because I don't know (laughs) if that will trigger anything of resentment from anyone we can't publish this but it's very true i think we can publish it i think it's a real sentiment where are we in that from a personal level not even from a brand level like a personal level it's you know we're confused i think everyone is it literally is an hour by hour emotional play for every single person okay i am going to try to uplift it here ready i'm ready we all feel a need to at least take a breath do you have anything that you recommend content wise that you've seen recently that was fun. Uh, I, please don't give me something deadly serious. I, I literally don't want that. Like, is there some, or a guilty pleasure, something that we can share with the audience here that might be interesting for them as they all head into their own air-conditioned four-day weekends to not go outside and not see any fireworks? Well, I watched Becoming, and that was awesome. That was very inspiring. And then I'm now watching Politician, which is about this really young kid in a private school in a very affluent town that literally has aspired to be a politician since birth, practically, for him. He's just a very type A figure, and he just pretty much goes off the deep end and then ends up not getting into Harvard and then going to NYU. And like, and that's where I'm at right now. How does he survive? <laughs> I mean, what a, what a hardship. But it is pretty damn good. Jason. We recently watched The Great, which is oh yeah 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 semi-historical yeah, comedy semi. drama <laughs> about Catherine the Great, which was absolutely delightful, really well written, conceived, wrought, beautifully put together. Big recommend on that. And two of my friends have just put out movies. I would love to plug. Yeah, please. Shirley just came out and is available on most streaming things. It's a Shirley Jackson movie. That oh, is sort of becoming of Shirley Jackson, the figure. It's sort of twisted and internal and humorous and interesting and all the other things that Shirley now, Jackson... Now, is this a documentary or no? This is, no, no. no okay. a piece of fiction loosely based around the creation of one of Shirley's stories. Got it, okay. With her as a central character. And then another friend of mine just released a documentary, Narrowsburg, which I'm going to watch tonight, but the trailer looks really, really good for it. And it's about, I'll read the log line here, a French film producer and a mafioso-turned-actor who attempt to turn a tiny town into the Sundance of the East. And it's a true story. Well, obviously, it's a documentary, and it's getting rave reviews, and I look forward to watching it this evening. So I'm going to give you two quick things. One is not an original thought, but it's been brought about by my son, who is single-handedly plowing through you know, all... 155, I think, episodes of The West Wing, something like that. I don't know. There's a bunch. Maybe it's more than that. And so I have, you know, kind of gotten hooked into a few of these now. And, and it, for a billion and one reasons, it's been thoroughly enjoyable. And it covers all the emotions. It's so well-written and so funny when it's funny. It's so poignant and moving when it's moving. And it leaves you so desperately hungering for better times in public service, but it's fantastic. So I know that's a boring one. Everybody's seen it. You know what? Do yourself a favor. Fourth of July weekend. Remember what it is to, uh, in the words of Sorkin, I'm sure at some point, you know, serve an interest far greater than yourself. 
The second thing is last night on my own, I don't know, 1230 something. It was late. Couldn't sleep. Semi-miserable. Flipping through the channels. I find something black and white. That is a surefire stop for me. That's like, ooh, <laughs> ooh, what is this? Ron Reagan, Nancy Davis, Hellcats of the Navy. <laughs> that was something. So channel your uh, your inner 1957 Ron Reagan B war movie film. No one is going to watch what I just suggested. I could tell by Jason's face. He's like, did you just suggest people should watch Hellcats <laughs> of the Navy? Yes, I did. <laughs> what is your, do you have by, I don't know, Labor Day? Is there something you, you're hoping to get done or do that's literally just for you and you alone? <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> Just, just not even with a verbal answer, just a head shake and no, looking. I mean, like I guess it's not really for myself, but I, I look forward to, and I'm hoping that that will be the time when we have a better understanding about the virus to the fact that I can leave the house without fearing of all options and all uncertainty. So I think mm. that would be nice, at least to understand a little bit more where I'm not, when I go outside, I don't know if it floats in the air or it swims by water, or it, you know, it's, it's attached to a dog that then jumps to a leaf. Like, these are things that I just don't know that I would love to at least have some sort of certainty around. Uh-huh. <laughs> when you have a dog, this is what you think yes. about when you step outside in Jersey City. Yes. Yeah, we spend a lot of time keeping our cats away from the grocery bags when we bring them in. Or we did. We thought that would be helpful someone. Like if the cat rubs the grocery bag, then the corona's on the cat. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) At some point, I know it can't be now because it's just terrifying. And, and, you know, to think of 130,000 people dead from this thing is just mortifying. But there is humor in our lack of knowledge of anything and the stuff that we are doing, right? I mean, there, there, there are daily rituals that we're deploying here that we will find out some period of time from now, I don't know, five, eight, 10 years from now, were completely ridiculous, right? Just like we look back on the bubonic plague and think of, you know, whatever they, you know, did to prevent it as absurd. We will, we will have the yeah, same I thing, I was right? washing an onion with sure. dish soap. I've done that multiple times, <laughs> yeah. not just one weekend, like five in a row. Every time I was lucky enough to get an onion yeah. from the grocery store where the lady who would pull my bags of groceries together, could find the onion, thank God. Then sometimes I'd get tomatoes or like canned enchilada mix instead of chili. It was really fun trying to figure out how to use half the stuff I would get that wasn't part of my initial order. What is the weirdest meal you've had in this time? So the thing that pops to mind, it's not quite a weird meal, but it was... The moment we got a package in the mail and it was one of these big pallets full of cans and they looked like cat food cans. And so I opened it and I turned to my fiance to thank her for buying cat food for the cats, like I assumed she had done. And she stopped me halfway through to excitedly exclaim that her Vienna sausages were in. (laughs) To tear into this pallet of like 32 cans of Vienna sausages. Did an entire battalion from World War I come over, <laughs> leave the trenches to join you for dinner? I know. This was her powdered milk came in the next day. <laughs> did, it come, did it come via airdrop? Was there a parachute? 
Uh, Charles, weirdest yeah, meal. Today I had a block of cheese. <laughs> I could do that. I actually still have some. <laughs> this is it. There's no crackers here. <laughs> My life is so sad. The more I get on Skype calls with all of our teams, I'm like, you guys have your shit together. <laughs> and I need to figure it out soon. <laughs> What's your weirdest meal, Robert? We've done a couple kind of leftover deals. You know, I've done a, you know, shrimp over rice with a quarter slice of pizza left over from two days ago and, you know, a fudge pop kind of thing. All like, that? That, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like that was, that was the meal. <laughs> that yeah. was the meal. And like a glass of Cabernet. That's yeah, a your pretty stomach weird feel meal. The next it turns day. Out. Sounds like a recipe. Yeah, I don't know that that was my best <laughs> stomach eating. <laughs> One innovation that I discovered is French toasting day-old pizza. Really? It's amazing. It has to, so it has to be like red pizza, like tomato sauce pizza. It's got to be pretty like down the middle of the road. Yep. You know, like pepperoni, sausage. Like you can't, once you get arugula involved, it really does not work anymore. Okay. But yeah, just like make an egg custard, French toast the thing, breathes life back into the crust. It's a, it's a great deal for the next day. Really? Yeah. I, 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 I got to get my head wrapped around that. Yeah, Charles, where are you on the French? I mean, again, you've just had a block of cheese. <laughs> anything so that, it sounds good right yeah, now. I don't think this is, I don't think this is below you. <laughs> right. You know, as we're sitting here talking about this, what has been the most rewarding moment? Like, has there been something where you, you were like, God, this is crazy and the world is absolutely upside down, but. I'm glad I had this moment. I'll start. How about that? So we, um, I don't know, about a month and change in, Henry learned how to play poker at college while he was there. And so he decided that he wanted to try to duplicate, you know, what he is missing most of all, which are all his dudes sitting around with all the time in the world, you know, doing absolutely nothing, which is, you know, arguably something like 65 to 70% of the college experience. And so he's like, well, we're going to play, you know, Texas Hold'em with the four of us and you know charlotte had no idea how to play whatever and so we just started playing one night and we were using old coins from like my travels so you know euros and all kinds of random you know like pounds or whatever and that was the currency we were using and you know the first couple of hands were sort of like you know pretty funny and then it got you know more and more competitive and interesting and you know charlotte kind of the penny dropped for her and she, then she just became absolutely brutal. You couldn't tell whether she had nothing or whether she had like the best hand in the world. And it was a lot of fun. We laughed a lot. That was a great night. I'm glad to hear that college hasn't changed in the intervening decade. No, let's be clear. There's a lot of college that has a a timeless quality. I think the most rewarding moment for me has, um, so this has forced me to sort of jump with both feet into the life of being a homeowner and somebody who no longer lives in New York City, mm. which was something I didn't know the extent to which I would embrace or would have time to embrace or what that would look like. It was a vague idea for what might be the next step of my life or it comprise some part of it. And there are moments where it is very rewarding to realize that I have arrived here by whatever means and that it is fine and good and I think what I wanted without knowing how much I wanted it and that this is something that I can do and that there is maybe more to life than 
New York City. And I think there are a lot of people finding that in a lot of different directions, whether it's, you know, in places that they're now in or with family that they're now living with who they haven't had the occasion to before. There's just a lot more out there in location and people and places and ways to work and ways to think and ways to build your life. And that it's okay is nice to feel. And there's a sense of possibility out there amongst all the chaos that can be comforting at times. And so it feels good to connect to that when you can. That's a great answer. All right, Chels, we're going to leave it with you. Bring us home. Being married half the amount of time being in quarantine has been challenging in itself, but there has been days where the communication has been better than ever because it had to be, especially having a puppy that's literally like four months old when we got him. So I think that's rewarding when you're kind of like, you have that aha moment at the end of the day, you're like, oh, we could actually do this. Like we can get through that. That's nice, at least, you know, to know. And then that makes the other days that are not as easy a little bit better, knowing that, you know, we've done this before, we can do this again kind of thing. That's a great one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, look, this is not for the faint of heart. Not a bit. Mm-hmm. All right, I'm going to do one last thing as we try to wrap it up. You two are going to get a chance to ask a question. So I want to know, particularly as somebody who is managing people and in a leadership position for an organization and trying to think about the way in which people who rely on you need to work in the future, mm. what about this do you hope keeps up, maintains, we stick with and we learn from and we don't just slingshot right back to where we were before all this happened? Yeah, that's a really good question. My, again, instantaneous answer is the humanity. I think the one thing that all this video has done, and look, there's lots downside to the video. My life in terms of access, I thought I was, you know, anybody could access me anytime before. But I've found with this that, that the, you know, the walls between my personal time and, and, and I can be accessed, it's virtually gone. You know, the weeks have been very, very, very long, a lot of hours. But, but the benefit of all of the video is the humanity of it. I mean, I've seen husbands and wives and partners and friends and kids and dogs and hamsters. And, and we talk about these things at work or at least if you're a person like me, I do a lot of talking about those things at work. But to see people interact with the people that are most important to them in kind of their home setting has, I think, unlocked a level of connection and humanity around this that's spread into a bit more of a camaraderie, a bit more of, well, you know, we're all sort of in this together. We've got kids trying to do video Zoom calls for school, or we got the college freshman, you know, at home in the basement, we got, you know, all these kinds of things um, are connection points. And I, and I hope we find a way to keep all that as opposed to going straight back to, you know, the veneer of hyper-professional, I got to keep this up kind of thing when all the things that make us who we are at home, they can play an important role about how we tackle work. Um, you know, and if you look at all these issues we're looking at, right, the conversation about Facebook boycotts and all these kinds of things, those are value system driven things, right? Yeah, there are business implications to these, but they're value system driven things. 
and all those value systems are driven by the people that we are at home. In a large case, that that is that is what they are based in. And so that for me, I hope is something we can find a way to handle. I agree with that. I think this has made us a lot. Yeah, I was going to say empathetic, but it's the same thing that you just said. And then speaking of Facebook, I don't know maybe what it's been about staying at home for 120 days. But like when I'm reading about Facebook, the first thing I think about is like, God, I wouldn't want to be Mark Zuckerberg right now at home, just like pondering this like in quarantine by himself. And I almost felt bad (laughs) for the guy, right? Like I started thinking about like the personal level of him as a job, not just like who he is as a, you know, the founder and CEO of a company, which has been really fascinating to think mm. about. Yeah, there were pictures of him in the Daily Mail about four days ago at his $100 million estate in Hawaii. <laughs> I just share that as an alternate perspective. So actually, this is the other thing I was going to say, though. <laughs> so I was talking to a friend a long time ago, and she asked me how I was doing. And I responded like, you know, I complained a little bit, but then I said, you know, but I really can't complain. Like, I- I'm lucky with what I have, where I'm at, blah, blah, blah. And she responded in the best way possible was, well, you can complain because all of us are in the same boat with something that's never happened to any of us ever in our entire lives. So like this impact of quarantine on you allows you to complain in whatever way you feel fit because this is something new for you and it's new for everyone. So we're all allowed to complain at at some point about this and not feel like we're being judged for the certain circumstances that we're in based on it. I think that's true. I think it's also true that we're incredibly fortunate. Obviously, there's so much economic suffering and physical uh, suffering and loss, uh, obviously. So those things are also true. But I, I agree with you. I mean, the implications of the kinds of conversations that I, as a parent, have had to have in the past hundred and some odd days, you know, th- those th- there have been a lot of not easy things about it. And, and a lot of kinds of things we're we're dealing with that are... They're not things we were dealing with before. Uh, so I think that's a great point, Charles. It was a good one there, Jace. Well done. Do you want to answer that or no? So one of the things that I hope that we maintain connection to coming out of the other side of this is sort of related to the empathy that we're now finding with regard to people's home lives and the reality that that puts on the challenges of their day, the situation respective to how they can do work and all those other things. Connected to that is also sort of an empathy for the ways in which people work and the ways in which people are able to successfully get work done. It's long been on the corner of advocates for distributed work. The distributed work will solve all these problems by letting people work where and how they want to. And we are seeing some of that is true. There are certainly challenges to it, but The lesson is that people generally want to do well and get work done and not let down their team and achieve things and move forward. And so many calories and so many places are burned with logging that, cataloging that, checking up on that, demanding reporting for that, uh, looking over people's shoulder on account of that, making people be somewhere at some time or talk to somebody to prove that. And the answer isn't everyone go distribute it and figure it out. And hooray, we just lost all our overhead and isn't the community better for it? It's like hire people you can trust, work with people you can trust and let them do their thing. And if they drop the ball on it, let them know why and how and what that meant and help them figure out a way to not have that happen next time. And it's been so obvious 
to me and sort of the position I've been able to be in the last decade as like an independent worker in all these situations that that's how I do my best work. That's how the people I respect and work with the best are allowed to do their best work. I'm happy to see institutions get some proof of that because it took this, like this is what it took to prove it. You can go into so many rooms and make that suggestion so many times and they'll nod and say, great, 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 but I need to report something to somebody. So can I have some numbers here? And this is what it took to maybe let people see that, hey, like, just like lay off and hire good people and be output focused and not process focused in those ways. Yeah, I don't have anything good still, guys. But uh, all right, on a lighthearted note. (laughs) Yeah, okay. So let's just say January 2021, we are all released back into the wild. What is your first call or your first visit or your first meal like what is it my first thing is we're going to Muldoon's a thousand percent that was gonna be my (laughs) (laughs) we're going to Muldoon's the people I've been living with (laughs) yeah (laughs) we're gonna go to Muldoon's and we're gonna drink a couple pints and we're gonna revel in the accumulated collection of, I don't know, 50 years worth of dust that is, I'm sure, <laughs> somehow anti-coronavirus. And it's in, like, you can't get coronavirus in Muldoon's, I don't think. <laughs> and then the other thing is, I got to get to London. I miss it enormously. Jason? I just want to have like a big ass dinner party again. I just want to like go into somebody's house or invite them into mine and like not worry about how far away you are from somebody. Mm-hmm. That's like the lap of luxury right now is not doing the mental math on amount of time and distance of exposure and indoors versus outdoors. I just want to like go sit next to somebody, have a meal with people, be way too crowded, and then just go home lit up by whatever that lights you up with. So that, whatever it is. Like whiskey. Yeah. Charles? (laughs) I would visit my parents, (laughs) even though I've already done that. But at least it would be the same thing as Jason, like just knowing the fact that I don't need to worry about every waking moment for 14 days in a row after I see them like asking how they're feeling in the morning and just hoping none of them sneeze or like do any weird, suspicious things that I look forward to. And then going to California to see my my best friend, who I still have yet to see from moving there in October. You bring up one other thing I'd throw in there. This is the, all my closest friends in the world, this is our year of turning 50. And so the thing I am missing desperately is every single one of these 50th birthday parties. This was going to be a remarkable run of of that. And that definitely has stunk. <laughs> I don't have a better way to put it than, than we're definitely missing some quality time. So awesome. Well, as ever, you two are spectacular. And uh, I can't thank you enough for all the work you do, not just on this, but Charles, in particular, all the stuff you do for the agency. So thank you for that. All right, Charles, take us out. Wow, I haven't done this in 27 pods. So, uh, all right. Thanks again for tuning into The Human Element. Uh, You can hear us anywhere you can hear your pods. And have a safe and happy long weekend and beginning of quarantine summer. We'll be back out to you real soon. (laughs) There you go. Nailed it. Happy 4th, everybody. Happy quarantine summer. See ya.